Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast for the technician that wants to get real. Follow along as we talk to industry professionals and address hot topics that we all face. Along the way, we'll learn tips and tricks. I'm your host, Trent Manning. Let's have some fun. This episode of Real Turf Techs on Golf Course Industries Superintendent Radio Network is presented by Foley Cummings, a strong supporter of equipment technicians and golf course maintenance departments everywhere. Foley Company offers a proven solution for above and below the turf, for turf professionals everywhere. To learn more about Foley Company's line of real grinders, bed knife grinders, and the Air 2G2 family of products, or to find a distributor, visit www.foleyco.com. Foley, ready for play. Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast, Episode 77. Today we're talking to Aaron Kirsch, Equipment Manager at Saginaw Country Club in Saginaw, Michigan. Saginaw Country Club is a private 18-hole golf course set on about 100 acres. Aaron is the lone mechanic in the shop. He has mostly Toro reel mowers with a couple of John Deere and Jakes mixed in. Let's talk to Aaron. Welcome, Aaron, to the Real Turf Techs Podcast. How you doing today? Good, man. Good. Yeah, glad you're here. We're going to have a good time, like always. Tell us how you got into the turf industry. Honestly, the guy that got me in was, he's now my superintendent. Was he okay. the superintendent at the course, and he knew I had some, he knew I had background in, in repair, fixing. Mm-hmm. He came over to drop off some wood, because they cut wood, we cut wood at the at the club every winter. Came over to drop off some wood, and he says, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing? I went, man, life sucks. <laughs> I don't. I'm not in. Uh, I'm not in the greatest mood right now. I'm not in the greatest spirits. He goes, "What? What's going on?" I said, "I hate my job. I hate it. I hate it." What were you doing? Uh, I worked retail. Okay. I sold guns. Sold guns. All right. And just I was a retail manager for Gander Mountain. Okay. Uh, yep. I don't know if you're from. Down- I'm. I'm from Georgia, and I'm in Georgia, and I want to say I don't know if we have one in Georgia, but. Uh, there's one in Chattanooga and one over in Huntsville. I, I think. Don't know if oh yeah, Huntsville. I don't know if yeah. there is any more. I, I don't know if where the company went after I left. I just cut ties and they're you know it's retail. Retail's a mm-hmm. little. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it, one of those things you you just go every day. You walk in, you go. This could be my last day, kind of thing. Oh wow! Yeah, no yeah. matter how That's... good you do, they could just go. Well, you know, you're not cutting the mustard. You're out. So it was mm-hmm. a very stressful job. So he came over said. Hey, why don't you come and interview with us, man? We just lost our, our equipment manager. And I what is that? What is, you know, what does he do? He, mm-hmm. he just fixes the equipment, keeps the equipment running. Whoa, that's pretty cool. I could do that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's how, that's how it came to be. Awesome. I went and interviewed with them. And after I think it maybe it was a week and I decided, you know what? I, I can't, the stress is killing me and, uh, mm-hmm. no more. So what do you worked on previously? Uh, well, I, I started working on a farm when I was 10 years old. So I worked on, man, manure spreaders, feed wagons, tractors, not in any large capacity. I mean, the, mm. my, my boss on the farm didn't go, hey, I need that diesel engine fixed. Go get it. He right, right, he right, had right. me there with him when he was doing work, and I, I was kind of passionate about at least watching him do it. And mm-hmm. I worked yep. on dirt bikes my whole life. My dad's dude just... He do he can even fix anything. I mean anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything. That's and awesome. it's uh I watched him 
and I really never, I did a little bit of my own stuff. I fixed dirt bikes because I ride dirt bikes, so I always rebuilding something, but it was never mm-hmm. to a large capacity to a actual career or a job that I would do. And yeah, yeah it's pretty much. Awesome. Yeah. So how long have you worked at a golf course? It's coming up on 10 years. Awesome. Okay. So, 10 years. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Was there a huge learning curve on learning cutting units and real setup and that stuff? I don't know how I made it through my first year, man. I, yeah. I'm telling you right now, I think the only reason I made it through is because I have a really good work ethic. I'm punctual. Mm-hmm. I sit back, you know, you said how much, how many people are, work for you. It's just me in the shop. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. else. There's guys that don't know what a choke is. There's guys that don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't know anything. And, and I feel like that's, that's my niche. I assume that. You set up a cutting unit, it's done until you got to mm-hmm. do it again. I had no idea that you had to do, you know, you had to adjust periodically, mm-hmm. you know, and I adjust. I mean, every time they go out, you, you pull them back in, you adjust them. At least I do. I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's I had, standard practice. I don't know that everybody does that, but yeah, it's becoming more standard. That blew my mind. When I, a lot of things in the golf industry blew my mind, but that was one of the big ones I went the, the guy said, you know, they, they brought someone in that had been, and did he work at like Oakland Hills or something? I don't know. They brought someone in and said, we're going to have you job shadow this guy. He's going to come in and show you how to grind reels. Okay. Man, what a thing to get thrown into. So much to mm-hmm. know. I mean, it doesn't look like it's, it's, ooh, throwing sparks. You just grind this and then you set it up. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot more, it's deeper. You learn something about it every, every year. I think I learn more about it. And I go, wow. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm a, right, right, right. I should have known that, you know? Well, I think it's, it's different, through. too. A lot of us may have, over the years, learned a lot of the theory behind reels and bed knives and cutting units. But learning the theory and truly understanding the theory is kind of two different things, too. It is. And I think that's yeah. why one reason we keep learning you know, no matter how long we've been doing it, we learn another little thing about it. I know every time there's a there's a learning opportunity when it comes to that kind of stuff, even if I know I've already I've already heard that theory, I go and I like to pick people's brains, especially mm-hmm. people. I think we talked and did we, did we talk? Do you, you've got a I've got a, a Bernard a Bernard mm-hmm. and you've got Foley. Foley. So I like to man, I like to pick people's brains. It's kind of it's interesting. To hear both of the sides of the story, it's like politicians, I guess. You listen to one, and they say, "Oh, this guy's a horrible piece of garbage." Mm-hmm. Right, did, right. Really? Is that is it really? I mean, did you do that, or did they mm-hmm. twist it? That's that's crazy, right there. There's there's some theory there. Bernard versus uh, Foley. I don't oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I just know what I do, and I know it works for us. So. Well, that's the thing, and it makes it really hard to argue either position. Because with either grinder, you can have a good cutting unit that cuts grass the way it needs to. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, to argue one's better than another. And I think it basically boils down to personal preference. Because I really like to have a relief on my reel because I feel that the reel will stay sharper longer with that relief on it. That was another thing I, I looked at when I looked at your questions. I went, man, do you relief grind? No, I don't. I don't even know how. 
Never yeah, was well, thought how. And I've right. been asked that question before. I, I grind reels for a couple of uh, a couple of clubs around the area, mm-hmm. and I, the one superintendent said when I was doing his reels for him at his club with the, with the same grinder that I have, he said, "Are you going to put relief in them?" And I went, "I don't even know how, man. I I don't know mm-hmm. how. I never learned. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even yeah. think I, Bernard has a they have a tool for that." But I he goes, "Oh yeah, we got it right there on the wall." You're welcome to use it if you want. I think he wanted me to. I said, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't. Yeah. It's not necessary, according to Bernard. It, it's. Right. And I don't know if that. I, dude, who knows? You know, Chevy versus Ford, you know, Ford versus Dodge. Somebody always telling you one thing and you go, oh, okay. Until you've done it. I'd love to hear theory on it. I really would. To, a more in-depth, you know, I've I've watched videos and stuff of why you do it. And, yeah. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little background that I know. We have however many real manufacturers in the world. I mean, you got the big three, obviously. Mm-hmm. They all put relief, ground relief from the factory. Yeah. yeah. So if there was not a benefit to ground relief, why would the big three spend the money yeah. to grind a relief on the blade? And not just the big three. This is something I noticed the other day. Uh, one of our members who lives right out the neighborhood, he has a true cut. So it's a commercial homeowner version of a real mower. Okay. And he wanted me to grind it. So I throw it in the grinder and I get to noticing it's got a ground relief from the factory on a $2,000 mower. You know, and you can't buy a cutting unit for our mowers for $2,000 now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which that's that's a whole nother podcast and subject, but they all do it. So if there wasn't a reason to do it, why would they do it? That's one question. So I am a firm believer in relief, and it works well for my operation. But I know plenty of guys just like you in your situation, and I don't know what level club you're at. I probably should know that. But even the super high-end level of clubs run Bernard grinders, and they produce a good product. So there's no way I could ever say you're doing it wrong. No, I I mean, if that's the Bernard idea is if you just, if you, you grind a lot, you don't need to put that in there. I don't know, man. It, it's, yeah. I, I wish, I want to sit down. I've never sat down with both parties. And, and I, one day I want to sit down with, a Foley guy, and I want to sit down with a Bernard guy and have a couple of beers and just talk, you know, get them going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when may, maybe we should do that at the golf show at GIS, golf show and conference. Where's that at? Well, this year it's going to be in Orlando, <laughs> February, and Orlando. Boss keeps telling me about that. He goes, I'm going to send you. I'm going to force you to go. Well, come on. We'll have fun. I promise. I don't like that one. I'm not, I'm not a traveler at all. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's a good time. I want to go really or as far as away from home as I ever want to be right where I'm sitting. Right? Okay. I guess. I'm about a hundred miles you. away from where I really truly want to be. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Well, tell us what you fabricated lately. All right. So it wasn't lately, but. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when it was. I made for our, we have a, Toro 5410D fairway units. 
you're not, if you're not familiar with Toro, you, yep, yep, I'm familiar. They're I I like them. I think they're awesome. We have worms real bad. We have uh, or brown grubs, as my mm-hmm. boss likes to call. Them. I made some what I call worm busters. So I okay. I took some angle and made these. I don't know, just frames that had a a pretty stiff bristled uh, shot broom. We went out and bought ten shot brooms, cut them apart, put bolts through them to hold them onto the to the angle, and the angle sits on the ground. You you lay them flat, and then you adjust them with the, you know I just welded a oh it's like a three eighths nut and use three eighths hardware so that you can adjust mm-hmm. them away from the reel. You'd have to you'd have to look at them to and you'd see that. I wouldn't say genius behind it, but you'd see, you go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it works. You know, you can adjust them. Yeah, yeah. And they are, they go right in front of the reel and they're brushing the ground. So they're actually picking the grass up and they're flicking, mm-hmm. uh, with the bristles are, they're quite stiff. They flick the, the, uh, worm mounds because we have worms so bad when it gets mm-hmm. wet outside, they, it's crazy. They come up and we put down, uh, T methyl. Put on a T-methyl for them to kill them or, well, no, to drive them away. I don't know what it does. Yeah, it yeah. kills them or yeah, drives them right. away, but keeps them away from a little for a little while. But if you get a, a time in the summer where it rains real hard, you can't, they just pop back up. And, they, you know, dirt destroys your cut. Mm-hmm. So you're try, we're yep. trying to make the cut last as long as we can so we don't have to keep grinding and grinding and grinding. So worm busters. Okay, that's awesome. Very cool idea. Working right now. I'm working on a, a linear actuator for for our stump grinder. We have a an old okay. stump grinder unit, and it used to have this hand tensioning system. It's got this big four cog belt that runs okay. this huge wheel that spins and it grinds the the stump down. And you know, you, you tighten it with your hand. It's got a little lever on it that you push, and then you tighten it with a little Allen key. It's crap. It's garbage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Every year I'm like, man, you know, every time I use, because I got to use it, I use it. And I'm like, this sucks. This is stupid, man. Why <laughs> we even? So last year I put a, a linear actuator on on the lever instead of hand tightening it, which would always get loose and let the belt slip, and then you'd ruin belts. Put a linear mm-hmm. actuator on there, and as long as I'm running it, it's okay. But if you over tighten the linear actuator, then you end up burning your belt up anyway and wrecking stuff. But so I'm working on that too. That's another that's awesome. thing. But honestly, every day, every day I'm fabricating something. I'm making something. That's what I like about the job. I don't know. It's it's a variety of stuff. You you always get thrown a curveball and you go, hmm, how do I how do I do mm-hmm. this? How am I gonna right. fix this? If I have to fix it right now, I love that situation. My boss hates it, but I love it because I just go, how can I make right, myself yeah, look yeah. like a really smart guy right now? Oh, I'll take <laughs> eye bolt, and I'll take this, and I'll take this. I'll slam them together, and the old boss goes, wow, cool, man. That's awesome. Right, right. Yeah. I never thought of that, so that's cool. Well, I don't, so I used to, if you listen to any of the older, or, yeah, the older episodes of the podcast, I used to ask the question, what do you like best about the job? And I believe every single person said the variety. So okay. I took the question out because everybody had the same answer. Yeah. And it is the variety. And that was the other reason I have the fabrication question, because for me, I love fabrication, and I think a lot of us love fabrication, because oh, yeah. you've set one reel up, you've set a bunch of reels up. 
like you said, problem solving. Bring me a problem and let me try to solve it and fabricate something to yeah. make whatever better. That's cool. And I like doing yeah, that a lot. Yeah, there's nothing like it. And I'm fortunate enough, I got a young kid working in the shop. He's still in high school. And he really, he hadn't figured out what he wants to be. And I'm not holding that against him. I'm 44. I ain't figured out what I want to be yet either. So the other day, we had a chain link drag. So just a piece of chain link fence and a piece of fence post that it's attached to. And I don't know, it, it was not attached very well. So we just made some brackets to attach the chain link fence to the post so we can pull it behind the gator and drag in seed after yeah. we're prepping to put down the fescue seed. So anyway, simple little project. And this kid had the best time. He's like, can we fabricate something else? I am really, I would like this fabricating stuff. That's, this is really good. You, you just opened up a whole world. So that, that kid, yeah, yeah. Say, hey, what do you want to do? Do you like welding? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't like to weld? Yeah, I yeah, like to yeah. put two pieces of metal that ain't supposed to be together and <laughs> burn those things together. Exactly it's, right. It's, it's fun. It, it's it's fun. a lot of fun. What's your favorite tool? This is another one, man. I have so many. I have so many tools. I feel fortunate. I'll do a two-part question. I feel fortunate to already have a lot of cool stuff. We're not a huge facility. There's In the area, there's way bigger and way better facilities, but... We have a Benpack lift, and mm-hmm. and that's pretty baller. I mean, the lift is awesome. I use it every day, every every day. So mm-hmm. I, I use it for all sorts of crap, man. I use it to break beads on tires. I just lower, okay, yeah, yeah. lower the the Benpack into the tire, and it pops the bead off or something. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a tire changer, but yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was cool when I first started there. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You got a lift, man. You, that's so awesome. And then I started yeah. going to other places doing workshops and, and education, and some of these guys don't have that. They don't have anything. They're just working on their back on the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sucks. yeah. That's not fun at all. I feel pretty fortunate that I have the lift. The lift is awesome. Use my impact driver, a battery-powered Ryobi, a mm-hmm. nothing special impact driver, and I've gone through, probably because it's Ryobi, but I've gone through like three of these things. Mm-hmm. And I use them every day. There's not much that it won't bust loose. There's not much at all. I barely use yeah. my air impact anything anymore. So that's also a great one. But I think my favorite tools, my favorite tool, tool, hand tool, is my Precision Instruments split beam torque wrenches. Okay. I bought them myself. They stay in the in the toolbox in my pickup. So mm-hmm. they're always there. If I need them at work, they're, I mean, I drove to work, they're there. I don't leave right, them at right. work because I use them at home too, but man, they're, they're just awesome. I hate. Okay. Torque wrenches always confuse me. You know, they got this stupid dial and you go, all right, am I at 45 and a half or 40? I, I mean, does it yeah. matter? You have to be that specific, but some stuff you do, those mm-hmm. torque wrenches, you just flip open the little knob, you set it where you want it, close it, you're done. It's awesome. Oh, okay. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. And they make them, they, the precision instruments, it's the same as a snap-on. So my buddy's got okay. snap-on versions that were like $500 because they were branded with snap-on and a different mm-hmm. color. And I bought the precision instrument ones, and they were, they're the exact same thing. Different color, same manufacturer. Those are awesome, man. If you don't have a set, it's, it's, yep. it's only we'll about $500 for the whole set. Okay. You can get a quarter, three eighths, a half. Mm-hmm. 
I've got quarter three eighths and half, and I I kind of want to get the three quarter, but I'll never use it. I don't know. You know, you get into those tool, you get a tool collection, you're like, oh my god, I have it. Even right, if it's right, useless right. to me, I got. It. It's uh-huh. not completely useless. I'm sure I'll use it for maybe three hundred dollars worth or four hundred dollars, whatever it is. Maybe I won't use it enough. When I worked for Jerry Pate, we had a three quarter inch drive torque wrench that was I don't know, that thing had to be four foot long at least, maybe five yeah. foot long. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. And like the only thing foot ones, they're big. The only thing we used it for was to torque the wheel hubs on the fifty five ten. That's the only thing I can remember oh. torquing the and I don't even remember what the torque spec was. But was, well, yeah, three four hundred. If you over if you over wrench it, it's a lot easier to do. You try to do that with a half inch or something, and oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I don't like pushing pipes on stuff. I don't like if I can't do it with my muscles and the tool, then you need a bigger tool. Apparently. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah yeah no that's true. I've broke some ratchets before. Oh yeah, I, all yeah all the time. I'm guilty. Yep. What do you do to relax or find your balance? I got my garage set up right now. I got a TV out there, big flat screen. There's a fridge out there full of cool beverages. Mm-hmm. At this moment, at this very moment, there's there's seven dirt bikes out there. Okay. <laughs> That's what I do in my spare time. It's not a, a business per se, but mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of extra income in the last few years. I buy them. This time of year, you, you can buy bikes real cheap because people are goofy. It's summertime, so I want a dirt bike. They buy a dirt mm-hmm. bike. They ride the crap out of it all summer, and then, uh-oh, it's wear time. Got to get rid of that yep. bike so I can go out and buy a snowmobile or a quad or whatever. And I take advantage of it. I go out and buy them, say, with a you know blown piston or wrecked valves or something. And if mm-hmm. I get them a good enough deal, if I get a good enough deal on them, I turn around and sell them in the spring. And if I don't want to, I keep them. And at the moment, I think there's only two or there's three of them in the garage that are staying. You know, it's it's okay. a, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's something I always used to do is fix stuff, mm-hmm. and now it's it's kind of it makes me money now. So that's what I do to kind of supplement the little income that I get now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's little, not saying that it's a lot either. It's a it's equipment manager. I'm not at Oakland Hills or anything crazy, nothing big. So right, right. it gets me money. It's fun. That's what I do. I come home and from working, I don't know. It gives me control at work. I can't control who wrecks what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at home. I know exactly what I have to do. That that bike needs a new piston and and it needs new valves. So I can come home and I sit in the garage. I turn on I don't know YouTube. I watch with mm-hmm. Diesel and Angry Video Game Nerd, whatever, something in the background just to keep my keep my attention. And yep. I just watch, listen, and work on my own stuff. Oh, nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. I remember David Blowers when I interviewed him, and he was talking about superintendents and. What you were saying made me think of it that you got a dirt bike and it needs a piston. Easy enough. Superintendent sees a problem with the turf and he says, I think it may be this. I'm going to spray this on it. Then I'm going to wait two weeks and see how it reacts. So it's got to be tough for those guys not really knowing what the problem is. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm in that situation right now. I'm, I'm in that situation. My, my boss needed a, uh, our superintendent left for another bigger and better. He took over for the superintendent, but he never had anyone take over for him. So he needs a he needs a him. He needs mm-hmm. someone to do him, and he doesn't have anyone. And he said, "Hey, do you think you could do double duty?" Yeah, yeah. There's, that makes it tough. 
Yeah, it's I don't. Real tough. I wouldn't say it was the smartest idea in the world, but we're getting by. Hopefully, yeah. we're going to find somebody. But yeah, I don't know. Those guys, you got to live for turf, man. Otherwise, I don't know why the hell you'd ever do it. <laughs> I, I I don't really get into it that much. I like the, the fixing aspect. I like to fix the stuff that's broke. That's mm-hmm. that's what I do, and that's what I do good. I'm definitely not an assistant superintendent. I never could be an, a, a superintendent. That's for dang sure, but right, right. I'm glad that he is because I couldn't be. What's the strangest thing you've seen at work? We had a, a rotary outing, rotary club outing, and mm-hmm. we get a call on the radio from – one of the maintenance up at the up at our clubhouse said, "There's there's someone out driving on the course with a car," and we're like, "Oh, it's probably just who knows what it is. Uh, who knows?" Mm-hmm. So we we head over there. My boss and I head over there, and we get to the end of you know where our practice tee would be, and we see this car coming down number one. Someone from the rotary outing was leading them out. So we drove up there and and talked to that guy. It's, what's what's going on? And he says, "This lady just." She's lost her marbles. She don't know where she's wow. at. Yeah. She was up. She was driving on number three on number three fairway. Hmm. What? So we drove back and further down and and talked to her, and she was definitely not right. I don't know. She had Alzheimer's or something, or she she wasn't right. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't. Let, I mean, she was afraid. That's I was kind of afraid too because we kept driving in front of her car, and I told my boss, I said, man. I think she's confused, man. I don't know if you want to get between her and the exit because we yeah, yeah, yeah. stop her yeah. and because we were concerned, you know. Mm-hmm. She's not she's not hurting anything. She was only driving about half a mile an hour, and she wasn't hurting anything. We just wanted her to know how the hell you got onto the golf course with your car. Where mm-hmm. did you come from, and is there anything we can do? Can we help you? Because it wasn't a drunk driver type situation. It was a maybe this lady's having a stroke. Right, yeah, Maybe she's having a mental mm-hmm. episode. I have no idea. She would not let us stop her. We drove, we got her to the parking lot, and from the parking lot, we tried to ask her a couple of questions, and she just not not quick, just just drove away. We couldn't wow. stop her, so we got her license and or her plate number and stuff, and sent it in. Mm-hmm. There was no damage done, but she drove up and over number three green, and if she would have been another. I don't know. She drove up it, did a complete 180 on the green with her Impala. Wow. A, you know, the, the newer newer body style Impala. Uh-huh. Did a 180 and then came back down the green, and she was only about two feet from going in this real deep bunker. She'd have flipped her car over. Right. And then right, she drove yeah. right back down the fairway. Crazy. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen, really. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, for for sure. someone to come on a golf course and, golf course and not. And not be malicious, I guess. She wasn't malicious at all. She just didn't know where the hell she was. Mm. It was it was great. Yep. It was pretty wild. That's a good one. What's one of your pet peeves around the shop? I'm such a complainer. This this brings up so many things. I think one of my biggest pet peeves is, is just equipment. I'm OCD, man. I like things a certain way. I like things parked a certain way. I think I'm probably pretty hard to work with because I'm constantly. That's good self-awareness. You got going I'll on t- there. I'll tell you. I'm pretty hard to work with, work. too. I ask anybody that's worked with me. But equipment, negligence, abuse, I mean, just it's not yours. And it costs a lot of money to put it into into dollar marks. Put it into, you know, we've got a Pro Gator, a brand new Pro Gator that was, I think it was like 36, 
thousand dollars or something ridiculous, and the guys drive yeah, yeah. like it's a go kart. Some guys mm-hmm. drive it like it's a go kart. You yell at them, you tell them not to do it. Give them a month, they'll do it again, or they'll do it behind your back. So abuse of equipment, I guess, and cleanliness of yeah. that equipment. You know, they don't have to work on it. So when they they bring something in, you say, yeah, bring it in once you're done cleaning it, and you get it in, and Jesus covered in crap. You know how it is. And you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to clean this, and then you look like the jerk because you're complaining, I complain constantly, man. I'm the biggest whiner at work <laughs> that there ever was, and I think it got worse this year because, I don't know, it's just been a rough year. So, yeah, I think just equipment neglect and abuse, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of OCD about how clean stuff is, you know. Clean it up. You know, it's not yours. Treat it like it was yours. I've noticed over the years is if you look at the employee's vehicle and it's spotless and they keep it detailed. Yeah, you're right. And then you see the way they, you know, wash the course's equipment. It kind of makes you say, hmm, why, you know, what, what gives here? Well, see, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's a little bit different. I feel the guys that, that do care, that do clean, that you know, they've got a newer vehicle and it's and it's nice looking. Those guys usually are the ones that clean it real good. And if you complain... And say, hey, you know, you missed that center head because, you know, it's a center head. It's hard to get to, especially on like a triplex. They're super short mm-hmm. or super, super low. And they go, oh, I'll, I'll do better next time. But yeah, these yeah. guys, I don't even want to say, hey, treat it like it's your own. I don't want to <laughs> say that because they might treat yeah. it like it's their own and they might wreck it worse than they are. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. It's part of the, that part works of the both ways. you know, you're, you're constantly, there's going to be someone like that every year. Yeah. Do you have a mentor? In the industry? I have a guy that I wouldn't say he's my mentor, and geez, if he, if he heard this, he'd go, what? But he's a service manager for Spartan Distributors. Spartan Distributors is the people who we buy all of our Toro parts from. Okay. I don't know if it's a worldwide thing, if it's a statewide thing, but they're Sparta, Michigan, and we buy our Toro stuff from them. We get our parts from them. And every time I have an issue with a Toro product, which is very, very seldom, I called this guy up. His name's Tom Burke, and he's the service manager there. And he is, man, he's awesome, man. He knows what's going on. He understands you're frustrated. How he keeps his cool, because I'm, I'm sure he talks to people that were that are a little more irritated than I get. I try not to. Mm-hmm. I try to understand people from both sides. And, yeah, I'm mad because I got a piece of equipment that's doing something goofy, but he didn't build it. Right. All he does is fix it, and he knows he knows his stuff. And I, I guess if there was anyone in the industry, yeah, he's probably fairly unknown because that's what he does at Spartan. But man, he knows mm-hmm. his stuff and he's super, he knows you're having a hard time with stuff. He's just super patient with you. He knows, he yeah. knows the, the idea of what you're, what you're going through and he tries his best and he follows up all the time. He's good stuff, man. So that's Tom Bird. Awesome. Tom Bird. Yeah, Tom Way Bird. to go, Tom. What would be your dream job or opportunity? Anything that would get me back to the thumb of Michigan. I moved down here to go to college, did college, went through it, started doing something different, then started doing something different. I would love to get back to where I'm from, closer to my parents. Mm-hmm. Just in the country, it's it's all farmland up there. I don't see it ever happening at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty established here. I got a house, things work. You know, I, and I don't think anyone back there would. Unless I work in a manufacturing plant or something, I wouldn't make near as much money unless I did. And I don't really want to be stuck to a job that's just 
every day you, you look at parts and yeah, yeah, quality control yeah. or whatever it is. So that would be great if I could get back up there doing something in the diesel industry. I'm really curious about the diesel industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably should be curious about the electric industry because it looks like that's where everything's going. But I don't think you can replace a diesel tractor with an electric tractor. I, I don't just don't see it happening in the next, well, until I'm dead. I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, I don't, you know? I think that technology is a ways away. It's, yeah, you know, we need to, we need to get ET and ask him how he does it, how he <laughs> quantum leaps and stuff. I don't think it's right, right. us anytime soon. What technician would you like to work with for a day? I got a buddy from back home. This, that's honestly the guy who would, if anyone was going to employ me, although he wouldn't be able to really pay me much, but my best friend from high school, He's got his. He just started his own business in agricultural repair. Does diesel? Okay. Does dude, this guy? He knows diesels. His dad was a mechanic. His dad had a business from I don't know time he turned thirty five. I think he had a business fixing diesel tractors. And mm-hmm. his brain, if a brain could grow with the amount of knowledge you had in it, this dude would be sitting on like a swimming pool for a break. He just, <laughs> he's got so much in his head. Every time I have an issue with a diesel machine, which there's a lot of diesels, man, I, I call this guy up and I, I give him an idea of what's going on. And he goes, I'm not sure, man. He's only 90 miles away. But every time I, I say that, he goes, when are you going to be around the shop? I'll stop by. And mm-hmm. he'll come over and he'll go, oh, you're doing great, man. But I would do this. I would do this. And gives me tips and tricks. And, man, he's he's good. He's really smart. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's smart. And I, I would love to work with him, not just a day. I'd probably like to work with him for about a year and just soak up every bit of diesel mm-hmm. information. Not a, not only diesel, just he's just smart in general. Just a guy who can take something and make something out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a good good person to be around. Good person to call a friend, too. Absolutely. What do you know now you wish you'd known on day one? I'm still not very good at electrical stuff, electrical diagnosis and, and things like that. But on day one, I was... I had nothing. I hate electronics. Over the ten years that I've almost ten years that I've been working in the in the industry, that's a huge thing, man. There's there's so many electrical systems in these machines. I still I'm thinking if ten years ago if I started out with the knowledge I had right now, I might be going somewhere. You know what I mean? I might mm-hmm. have that. I might have almost all the answers. I'm getting there. I think every year I feel like I get smarter and smarter with electronic stuff. To the point where I used to just absolutely hate it, and now I I grab my multimeter and I roll over there and I I look at electrical schematic and I sort of mm-hmm. understand it. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like calculus yeah. to me, but it's still I I'm getting it. I'm starting to get it. But give me ten years and I might be caught up with the next best guy. But oh yeah, if I could yeah, start it off with any amount of knowledge, it would have been a little more electrical. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a little more electrical experience. Think. That's pretty standard for our industry, electrical and hydraulic. I think a lot of people shy away from, mainly because oh, yeah. they don't know that much about it and it intimidates them. Yep. Same thing with sprayers. And luckily for me, when I was working for Jerry Pay at the Toro distributor, that was all the problems I got. Every problem I got was electrical, hydraulic, or a sprayer. Sprayer. So I didn't have any... Yeah. I didn't have any choice but to work on those things, but that's what everybody needed help with. So I was very fortunate that I was forced into learning those things. 
sometimes that's the best way when you have no yeah, other out by fire. Figure it out or we'll find someone else to figure it out. That's when you go, all right, got this. I got this. Uh-huh. When it's your yep. job, it's different. You know, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever start a hobby of electronic repair. Gosh. I, but now <laughs> that it's, you never know. You know, the boss says, well, we could, we could send it in and get someone to look at it. And you think about how much it's going to cost. You go, man, mm-hmm. give me a second with it. You know, I, I'll call up Tom or I'll call up, uh, you know, we've got some Jacobs and stuff. We've got some, uh, John Deere stuff. I call up the, the service manager and just pick their brain. I did today. I did today on yeah, yeah. the yep. product that we have. And I, I always have issues with the thing and I called them up and gave me a couple of pointers and I went, you know what? Maybe I can't fix it, but I can at least curb it. I can stop it from having issues that we're having with it. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Hang up the yeah, phone yeah. And, and, and do it. Awesome. Good stuff. Get ready for tips and tricks. What kind of tips and tricks you want to share with us? First one is uh, when I when I first started, I I did this. Uh, my dad's a two stroke guy, man, two stroke to the core, and mm-hmm. we always used to we would get bikes or mopeds or whatever. It was two stroke and it wouldn't run very well. I think the first thing that he would yeah, he would do was pop the exhaust off, fill it with gasoline. And start it on fire. Okay. Burn it yep. out. Burn burn the crud out of it because two strokes run a certain way. They need they need the gas pressure to go. That's why the pipes are goofy looking on them because the gas has to go from one end and then return to the other end to give the cylinder reverse pressure to make the things run the way they're supposed mm-hmm. to run. So burning out your two stroke exhaust, a lot of weed whackers and and blowers are two stroke. And they have yep. little spark arrestor bits on the end of them, and those things get clogged up instantly. They're garbage. Yep. But you have to have them on. There are certain courses I'm sure have to have them on. Mm-hmm. I'll either take them off or or leave them on there and just and torch them. You know. Yeah, yeah. Torch take a torch. End of them so that mm-hmm. the, that two-stroke oil is burned out of there. All the carbon deposits are burned out, and a lot of times that that will completely fix your two-stroke issues. That and I started using. Have you ever heard of techno turf? No, I have not. Techno turf, maybe it's just a thing for out here. It's like a lubricant. It's a it's an organic natural lubricant that doesn't hurt turf. Okay. And I use that stuff on everything. It's not like an oil an oily spray it on and it's gonna stay there for very long, but I know if you're putting up a reel, a head unit that's got that you just did and you're putting it away for a while and it's gonna sit in a shed or if it's gonna sit out in the cold over winter or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, I spray this techno turf stuff on that fresh that fresh metal, that exposed yeah. metal, and I don't go crazy with it because it does leave a greasy streak if you put way too much on. If you take the thing out there and you start it up on the green, there's going to be a greasy streak there. But mm-hmm. I use it over winter, and dude, this stuff is awesome. You spray it on, it doesn't kill the turf, it doesn't hurt the turf in any way. Huh, um, okay. Don't know how expensive it is either. I don't know why we even started using it. It all of a sudden showed up in the shop. One of the safe, <laughs> one of the spray or uh, one of the chemical reps was like, "Hey, you got to use this stuff. It's great." Uh-huh. It sat there for probably six months, and I went, "What is this crap?" And I started using it, and heck, I use it now for. Uh, I spray my reels down with it all the time if they're gonna sit there, or even mm-hmm. if just before I'm done with them because I run contact. I don't know if you run contact or not, but I don't run heavy contact. I always get guys go, oh, man, this thing sounds awful. It sounds because they're not used to the way that the machine sounds when they turn it on. Mm-hmm. So you just ground it and you put everything together, and then it makes this 
noise. I don't want that much contact. But every once in a yeah. while, I'll get a guy that goes, hey, it sounds wrong. It doesn't sound good. Go, <laughs> now I have to go from where I'm working, doing what I'm doing, to go over there and go, yeah. it's fine. Just run it. I've checked it. It's fine. So I'll put that mm-hmm. techno turf on there. I'll spin the reel, spray it, spin the reel, spray it. You know, mm-hmm. and I'll coat all the fins, the whole reel. Not ridiculous. And yeah. I don't have guys saying that anymore. So that's, I like that stuff. It works good. I use the crap out of it now, and I like the fact it doesn't kill the turf. Nothing. You can't just spray WD-40 on there and expect it not to kill the turf, but this right, right. some kind of natural lubricant, so works good. No, that's cool. Good tip. You want to talk about dirt bikes now? I don't know, man. Get get you started up I, on dirt I, bikes. We might not. We'll go into a whole nother episode here. I picked up three Honda CRF450s, the motocross bikes this year, so far. Extra mm-hmm. ones in the garage. Are those two-stroke? Those are fours, four-stroke. Okay. And are most all the motorcycles nowadays four-stroke? Yeah, it's emissions. Emissions yeah. big. So there's a lot of – Yamaha still makes a, a two-stroke. I think they only make a 250. I could be wrong. And a lot of lot mm-hmm. smaller bikes, you know, your kid bikes will be like 50cc two-stroke or an 85, 85cc mm-hmm. two-stroke. You can't beat them for just ease of – I mean, it's a two-stroke. Oh, I blew mm-hmm. out my two-stroke. Well – Rip the head off, rip the jug off, put a new piston in it, put it back together, and you're good. Right. Four stroke, yeah, yeah. man. You got Yamaha uses titanium valves. A lot of the companies use titanium valves. They're huh. awesome, but man, are they expensive. You're talking five, six hundred dollars putting valves in your in your machine. Wow. Not so, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about them. I'm not really excited about them because I'm not going to keep them. They're gonna. They're just, I'm going to flip them. I might keep mm-hmm. one. I might keep one, but I don't know why. I have no idea why. I don't need it. Do I just love. Yeah. Do you even ride anymore? Oh hell yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I ride, but I ride air cooled four strokes like old Honda XRs. Mm-hmm. They made them from '96 to '04, and I've got two of them right now that I run most of the summer when I do have time, which isn't much. I maybe had right, right. hours on two two bikes this whole summer because it's been rough. But there's something I don't know something about coming home to. I mean, I got a wife. I got a couple of dogs chilling over here, mm-hmm. but. Coming home, yeah. opening that garage door, backing in, and just sometimes I'll just crack a beer in the garage and I'll just st- just sit and look at these bikes. I, <laughs> I make them look real pretty before I get rid of them. Yeah, and all the yeah. issues with them that I that I get when I when I get them, fix the motors, put bushings and bearings and seals, and and then I just then I can just sit there and I don't know just something else. Well, yeah, just stare at your bikes in the garage for a little while. Yeah, that's fine. nothing wrong with that. And I think, I mean, that makes me think of a good point that I know I've struggled with personally, and I think a lot of people in the industry struggle with it, is moving on too quickly from one repair to another. If you make make something up, say you rebuild a three-cylinder diesel, okay, and you've worked on it for however many hours. You know, it's a pretty involved job. When you start that thing up, just take a deep breath and yeah. let it run and just listen to it and bask in your glory yep. for a little while. Yep. Because, you know, I'm usually started up and I get that really excited feeling like, oh, yeah, everything worked. Okay, I'm jumping to the next problem. You know. Jumping to the, oh, geez, I hope it stays together. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's the right next to... thing. that yeah. yeah, that's the next thing that goes through my mind. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Small but, victories, man. Small victories. Yeah. That's right. Exactly right. Well, you want to do some rapid-fire questions? 
Yeah. What's your favorite movie? I think my favorite movie is Phantasm. Well, I cannot speak to that because I've never seen that one before. It's T- Tell me a little bit about that. It's a horror movie. I'm a big horror movie guy. Okay. So this month and this month and, well, actually September, I got so many horror movies. I got thousands of them. So this month and September, my wife and I just, that's all we do. I get home from work. It's which Jason are we going to watch? Which Freddy are we going to watch? How many Critters movies are we going to watch? Let- okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, awesome. Chasm is a movie from the late 70s. I think it was like 78 or 79. Mm-hmm. Just this guy who, I don't know, he's tall. He's a tall guy. They call him the tall man. He's got this sphere that flies into your face and it okay. takes you in the, <laughs> drills a hole in your brain and takes your brains. It's goofy. But okay. when I was a kid, my sister was a lot older than me. So when I was a kid, she, she did not give a crap. She let me swear, do whatever I wanted, crazy stuff. And she, anytime I saw a movie at the, at the video store, a VHS, he mm-hmm. would say, I need to get you a VHS to keep you satisfied. What, what do you want? I would, at really young age, like, we're talking five, six, probably not five, but six, seven, eight, I'm mm-hmm. watching Friday the 13th movies and, and stuff. My dad had yeah. no idea. He was a giggle. Yeah. That looks pretty scary. He didn't watch it. He was out in the garage yeah. working on motorcycles and cars and stuff. He didn't, yeah. he didn't spend any time in the house. So I got away with that kind of stuff. It just brings me back. It's a good movie. Cool movie. Awesome. What would be your last meal? Taco Bell. Really? Okay. Taco Bell. Yeah. Taco Bell. So what What do you get at Taco Bell? Pretty much whatever's cheap. They always have a what? that's always cheap. It's like five. Is- Why don't this is your last meal? I mean, I'm a really simple guy. I don't eat steak. I don't eat shrimp or lobster. Yeah. I don't eat. Okay. Basically, what normal people go, wow, that's like a delicacy. I, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Give me chicken over beef any day. Okay. And Taco Bell over pretty much anything. All right. I need, awesome. to, I, need to, I honestly need to work out every day just to burn it off because we eat a lot of <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. What are you most proud of? I think it's probably my my bikes, man. I I have a couple of older bikes that that are still around and will be around for another fifty years mm-hmm. as long as they're with me. And I'm pretty proud of those. Call my secret weapons, you know, the bikes that got everything done to them. Basically, mm-hmm. taking something that wasn't supposed to ever be and making it more, building it, oh, yeah, yeah. building it bigger, changing suspension stuff. Yeah, I got a couple of bikes that are pretty pretty bad. Pretty bad. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. We'll, we'll make sure yeah. and uh, tag you in the tweet when we uh, put this episode out. In my Twitter, you you, you followed me. That's all I do yeah, is yeah. dirt bike stuff on there. I hardly ever post anything about golf. I will. Well, you, ne- or well you need to do the brushes if you hadn't posted those yet. I'd Maybe you did, but I missed them. I put a picture of them on there a while back. It said okay. something about busting out the worm, the worm busters, or putting on the worm busters today, but it wasn't in any idea how to make them or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know um, we hired a guy from a golf course. He was a superintendent at another golf course in the area. He said I kind of felt like a jerk. You know, I talked to our Toro rep. He came over to our facility to tour our facility. And he saw those worm busters on our machines, and I I built mm-hmm. them. They weren't just some slapped together thing, you know. It took me a day and a half to build these things, and they looked legit. They looked like something mm-hmm. you'd almost you could buy from Toro. And he had asked the Toro rep at the time, 
where he could get them, how much they were. And the Toro mm-hmm. rep went, that dude made them himself. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, That's awesome. I know there's other, there's other people who have built them. I think I got the idea from Seth, maybe? Maybe. Maybe I don't know. it was Seth. I, I might have, I can't remember if it was him or not, but they made, theirs were legit. I mean, theirs looked like a manufacturer. Mine were, I guess if you look at them and you don't, you haven't seen them, you go, wow, those look legit. To me, they look kind of haggard. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how to, I've never been professionally trained how to weld or anything, but I, I can, I make it work. Yeah, yeah. But the ones that he had, man, they looked sweet. I think it was Seth. Maybe it wasn't. I could be wrong. That sounds like something Seth would do. But we were at a thing at Michigan State, and and my boss went, "Wow, Kirsch, look at this. This mm-hmm. guy made these warm things. You think you can make those?" I went, "Hell yeah, I can make them things." Yeah, they yeah. gonna look as nice. They're, you know, his were painted and it looked minor. Uh huh. Or whatever. So, whatever. Yeah, it gets the job done. Yep. That's all that matters. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being on. Thank being you. a guest today. It's been fun as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Hope you enjoyed hearing from Aaron. What a great guy. He really loves the dirt bikes. And I think it's really cool that he's passionate about something. And it don't matter what you're passionate about, but you need to be passionate about something, even if it is work. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Do you like doing fab projects? I know it's one of my personal favorites. We're all problem solvers, and I think that's what makes fabrication so fun, is we're creating something to solve a problem. Hopefully you got some education lined up for this winter. I know I'm getting ready to go to the Carolina show. I hope to see you there. Hopefully there's some other equipment manager seminars going on around the country. I know I just got back from a couple. So do your best to get out there and try to uh, attend as many as you can. Meet more people. Grow your network. Until next time, see you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Turf Techs Podcast. I hope you learned something today. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you'd like to be a guest, find us on Twitter at Real Turf Techs. See you. Bye. Thank you.